This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Well, you know, we made it to a Thursday, and it feels real good. It's Kelly and Rumya on AMI-TV, AMI-audio, and your favorite podcast platform. Kelly McDonald's here. I'm Rumya Amazon. Kels, I'm... Very curious because we're coming up to March, which means we're coming up to April quite soon. And uh, a lot of these kind of fun. And May, too, right? not and far May off. And June and July, no. Um, but the thing is, April hits and you start getting like the Achilles runs and other causes March. where. Is that in March? Okay, there yeah, you go. They do yeah, it around over the St. long Patrick's, weekend. Right? Yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah. St. Patty's yeah. weekend for Achilles. Yeah. And then there's another one around the Easter mm, Sunday, Monday. But I can't remember what it is right now. I think that's the Gardner one. I think. Yes, yeah. Toronto. So Toronto starts getting busy with the uh, runs for causes or walks for causes, or if you're me, then um, sit around and get sponsored for causes. And watch people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? And the beer and the chili and all that stuff. But when was the last time you participated in or supported in something like this? For Blind Side, I had to do some of the climb of the CN Tower. Notice I said some. <laughs> yeah. I, for that show, did did a few things, but I certainly have never... Other than in high school, no, sorry, elementary school, I, I never really ran. Um, I'm trying to think what what I did, especially sponsorship. Anything sponsorship, I I didn't like to do. I didn't want to commit. I wouldn't mm. mind going and getting people, other people's, you know, sponsorship or stuff like that. Hey, so and so's doing that. You might want to sponsor them. But yeah, that's I, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I've done a bicycle thing like that, like a uh, tandem bike thing, and I don't think I have. Fighting Line is Canada a couple of years ago when it was uh, great pandemic times did a um, virtual like you virtual. can yeah yep. you can bike using your. Um, uh, your stationary bikes at home or other communities like, around the country. That? Yeah, you, I did. Yeah, and right. Did you did two, two of those years, things. Though. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Two years where they were really encouraging people uh, to use their Pelotons at home, and they had kind of a community mm. through Peloton to go through it. And it was a fun day because I think they did it where you really felt like you were participating, not just like you at home alone on your Peloton, but, you know, joining the communities, talking about what routes you've picked, uh, keeping tabs on each other and sending encouraging messages all over social media and such. It was done really well. But anyways, my last in-person was actually last year at the Achilles Run. Our uh, blind soccer team, our group from Pickering went. That was nice. Thanks you so guys run or just eat chili? Uh no, we did walk, run. They me. actually paired us up, and some of us, you know, really took it in and jogged. Oof. That's good. That some of us wasn't yeah. me, though, obviously. Yeah, the most I've done is <laughs> for Achilles, I've emceed one of their runs recently. There you go. That's about it, man. Nice. You're all known all over the place for emceeing. Let's see what's coming up on the Thursday edition of Kelly and Romeo. We have uh, Fern Lullum joining us, and she's talking about a magical new TV show that hit the UK in November of 2023. It's launching here in uh, Canada on TVO on the 24th of February. We're going to find out uh, what it is with her later on. Man, we had a popular conversation with Mary Mammoliti last week, and she's back to continue the discussion on cooking disasters and how to prevent them. Thank goodness. 
Yeah, thank goodness. Also, uh, we have our roundtable and Daniel McLaughlin, our Know Your Rights contributor, who wasn't able to make it on Monday because it was a long weekend, but she will be on the roundtable. Kelly's picked some topics and we'll go through them with her. All right, so some tragedy coming out. Uh, a Colorado man had is dead after a pet Gila monster bite. Police in Lakewood, Colorado say 34-year-old Christopher Ward died in a hospital Friday, four days after being bitten by his pet Gila monster, which is actually spelled G-I-L-A. The death would be a rare case of someone dying from the venomous lizard's bite, if confirmed by the ME. The Gila monster's bite can cause intense pain but are not normally deadly. In a report, Ward's girlfriend told police she heard something that didn't sound right, entered a room, saw the lizard named Winston latched onto Ward's hand. He immediately began vomiting, eventually passing out and not breathing. I'm Julie Walker. Immediately began vomiting and passed out. Like, that terrifies me. So, um... I found another story very close to this one where a woman has a bunch of rescue snakes, I guess, but two specifically rescue snakes that she had uh, brought home the day before. One of them latched onto her nose, and the way I heard of it was through these 911 dispatch calls that you can find online sometimes, and uh, got a hold of her face and wasn't letting go, and she was just, uh, just bleeding uncontrollably through her face. I have no idea what happened to that woman, but that terrified me not long after, or not long before, I heard of this story with the Gila monster and this Colorado man. So, Kelly, I mean... Just reptiles as pets, number one. And number two, <laughs> isn't this a little negligent? Because, I mean, he's dead. I don't want to speak ill of him. But aren't you supposed to kind of know what can happen if you have a venomous pet? Mm. And take care um, of that kind I of thing? Think the, the problem a lot of us have is we think we know, we do know, and we think we know how to handle them. And then we find out, unfortunately, maybe not so well. But again, I, I you know, there are huh. so many days. We're forgetting all the days that the handling goes well, that all the precautions are taken. And for maybe that, that one movement. Yeah, because I think people are respectful enough and they know not to panic the animal. They, they in a lot of cases, people know enough of what they're doing. Um, and that would be like us saying nothing ever happens at a, at a, a zoo or a, yeah, a place yeah. where, or, or on, um, you know, at one of the big parks and maybe in Africa or something, game preserves where they're doing something and taking care of animals. Unfortunately, things happen. I just assume, though, that if you're going to have a venomous uh, creature as a pet, that you would have taken the precautions to know that, you know, this is the problem that may happen. Like, even uh, though you yeah. know it's rare, is there not a way to kind of make the, uh, get rid of the, the venom or whatever? Because people do that with snakes, right? And potentially other reptiles, I don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. And and I think that's the bottom line. The the folks think, we, we believe we know, and then we unfortunately find out, but more so, Ram, let's cut to the point. You just don't want any things in your building. No! Not down the hallway, not above, not, building, not crawling not in, in, the, city, in the sewers or the vent, not vents, not in my nothing. province, no. <laughs> yeah, that the rescue snake went terrified because I was like, what, but why? Why'd you bring it home? But anyways, I guess it's more normal for some people than for me. <laughs> After the break, we're going to switch conversations. Mike Fair is here for audio entertainment and tech. Today, he's telling us about Dark Adventure Radio Theater's latest release. It's uh, something that he's excited about and excited to review for us. So we'll be back with that on Kelly and Ramia.
Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. I think I'm just terrified of what it means to have a reptile as a pet. And it's not even, like you said, Kels, we know and we know it's rare when people get bit or die because of things that have happened with their reptile pets. But also I'm thinking, you know, you don't really know your reptile, like you know your cat or your dog or your bird or your hamster or your bunny. That's what I think my problem is. Snake is a snake, a lizard is a lizard. Sorry. Sorry, I had myself muted. Uh, I'm sitting there saying, yeah, you know, it's kind of that thing where <laughs> you're just you think me go about... on and on and on. Well, as soon as you kept going, but sort of like, I thought, you're supposed to say something. <laughs> yeah, but I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I, I think it's that for, for those of us who can't relate to that, it's it's a 100% I can't relate to that. To people who right. feel it's the same thing as having a bunny rabbit with, with extra precautions of safety and stuff, which you would take anyway. Um, I got no one wants to really be bit by their their bunny rabbit either, right? But the the thought of yes. yeah, but the bunny rabbit it might take a, you know a, 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 its ounce of flesh, whereas this might take an ounce of flesh and I might die. I might, oh, exactly, <laughs> like also I might die. Um, yeah. and, you know, and even when you hear about people who can tame wild cats, not even just as pets, but even trainers and uh, tamers at zoos and other uh, preservation areas and such, right? I'm like, yeah, I can kind of understand it. They're just bigger versions of our little domesticated cats. Not really, but you know what I mean? But with reptiles, yeah. I'm on a whole different <laughs> boat here. Just like, leave Yeah, not to alone. mention, you just don't want to feel it crawl onto your leg and then bite. That's it, You know, yeah. you're like, ah! It's got That's already creepy this, enough. This perspective, yep. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to audio entertainment and tech. But, you know, I, I got my therapy session in. Um, let's bring on Michael Fair. Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. Well, audio dramas is where it's at today. Dark Adventure Radio Theater has decided to add a dash of desert madness to our winter. That's nice. So this week, Mike, you're going to tell us about their latest release. It's called The Temple of Jupiter Amun. And um, I'm very curious about it. So what makes this release one of their most original works, as you call it? Do we have you, Mike? I thought we had a yep. moment ago, maybe not. Oh. There is. Oh, there you are, Mike. There he is. Okay. Hello. Good. So tell <laughs> us about um, why this is one of their most original works. Yeah. So th basically, uh, this is they took an actual archaeological expedition that was in the 1920s, led by this real person, uh, Count de Proroc, and they they basically built uh, Lovecraftian elements around this. So uh, they, they, he's actually the, the, the pro rock fellow wrote a book that that he he covered. There was a short chapter that didn't go into a ton of detail on this expedition, and that intrigued them. Uh, I guess Lovecraft mentioned it in one of his letters, and uh, that's kind of the neat thing. That the historical society is not just all about the stories; they go deep into every all his correspondence, everything that that is available from H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, and they, they mine that material. Wow. 
Wow, what a presentation. So what was the objective of the exposition? So basically, the thought was that Alexander the Great, one of the best you know, sort of generals in, uh, in Western uh, mythology and mm -hmm. societies, uh, you know, he's a real person too. And he died when he was very young and under very mysterious circumstances. And the thought was he was possibly buried under this temple uh, in, in the Libyan desert. And uh, basically, the thought was if you could find this temple of Jupiter Ammon and get to it, you could maybe find Alexander the Great, and there were rumors of treasures and a, a, some kind of scepter with him, and uh, that was sort of left for for buried with him in the afterlife kind of thing. And uh, huh. so that that was the the objective of, of this expedition to to uncover those things. Well, it makes for a lot of good storytelling, and we want to get to know the characters. So, who are the Count's companions? Yeah, uh, Jim Whitman is kind of he's uh, an american archaeologist and uh he's very kind of played uh very serious studious has the knowledge um so it kind of clashes sometimes the count is basically a treasure hunter he's using his fame to get to the funding to go to these places to really uncover treasures and he wants the riches and the wealth and the fame whereas as Whit whitman is really after knowledge he sincerely wants to find things out uh, Leticia is a Cuban art dealer, uh, basically wants to, uh, has helped fund the expedition and hopes to find treasure. And uh, she seems to know more than she should. So something's up with her. Uh, mm. Barbarella is an actress, Italian actress, uh, a, a movie actress. And she also, is, uh, because the cameraman gets bitten by a scorpion, she replaces him. And uh, that's somewhat thanks to Matteo, her boyfriend, who is an Italian army officer who basically Mussolini wants to put Italy on the map. This is the 20s leading up to the 30s and, and eventually World War II. And, of course, you know, he, he tries to really position Italy as this great power again. And, and part of it was getting involved in these expeditions, these archaeological uh, digs that might uncover, especially since Egypt was... was uh, the area that the expedition was in was was Italian territory at the time, so he tries to get uh, you know involved, uh, sort of insinuated in this expedition. So these are the kinds of people that are traveling with the count. Yeah, kind of a sketchy bunch in their own way individually, but certainly out for their own their own yes. moving forward goals, <laughs> right? And and I'm sure not yeah. all dishonorable, but also take note, Ramya, a scorpion is what bit him, not a helium monster. Yeah, I know, uh, but you yeah. know he's thinking the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike, when we look at Lovecraft's ideas, what ones were incorporated into the story since we know that so many of the notes and things like that were, were, were utilized and drifted into this? Yes, and they're steeped in these ideas. These these folks, this is their big hobby and, and life's work is is uh, this this stuff. So basically, yeah. uh, important impatience and greed and and going in ill prepared is Lovecraft always has scientists doing that, thinking they're so ready, you know, with all these resources, and then of course you find out that no, they they are completely unprepared for what awaits them, and they find that out the hard way. And the, the theme about things, some things are best left undiscovered. Lovecraft's whole thinking was, and uh, in, in one of the core ideas that, that runs through everything is, if we understood how the reality of the universe really works, we'd go insane. Huh. You know, we couldn't take it. Our minds aren't no, built right. to take it. We're, we're not the center of the universe. We're an accident. 
just waiting to be cleaned up. And that's that's kind of our ignorance is what protects us, you know, from realizing that. Is that is a terrifying that, thought. Oh, yes. That's that's why Lovecraft has Beware. a very presence. Stay ignorant, Mike. <laughs> yeah, ignorance exactly. is bliss. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, sorry. Was there more you wanted to say on that? I was just reacting. That's yeah. That's that's basically <laughs> okay. what we're at here. Yeah, with okay. Lovecraft. <laughs> um, so, are many of the things that they encounter on the expedition true to life? Well, a lot of the dangers, yes, they, and they tend to do that in these these. They'll insert all these the, the dangers, like the scorpion sting uh, that happens to people. Dev, desert climate, cold, warm, like like frying at, at the daytime, mm. hot, and then freezing at night. Uh, crocodile-infested waters, that's a reality. Uh, cisterns and, and oasis that sometimes have, you know, plenty of water and other times, no, not much water. And then you're stuck with, you've, you've reached this oasis, but there's not enough water like you thought there would be. And now you're in trouble. So things like that can happen. Uh, uncertainty about your location. It's very easy to get lost in the desert, especially before GPS and all that. Uh, strange singing sand dunes. This is one of the things, and, and apparently this happens. Wind will blow across these sculpted dunes uh -huh. in, in, the, in the right direction, and they'll emit this strange, eerie sound. And, and apparently this is real. I, I was I was skeptical until I, I looked it up on Wikipedia. And, it, it, yeah, these things actually uh, apparently are out oh. there, and uh, that would yeah. be really weird to hear. I, I I think it'd be really weird because of the emptiness, the quiet, and you know, whenever yeah. we watch stuff on TV, you'd hear that the desert sound was just represented in wind. You say, "How can it be so much wind?" But it's hot. Mm. Well, of course, it can be a hot wind, yeah. but that would hot make wind. a lot of sense. Just like a, a, a deserted city, and like you say, it would be very creepy to be in the city and hear that kind of noise. I remember being on Mount Royal. And listening to the city of Montreal with the traffic and everything, and it didn't sound like traffic. It didn't sound like just wind blow. <laughs> it had its own unique sound. Um, how suitable is this story for younger listeners? I would say teenagers and up would be fine. Like, there's nothing really too graphic uh, in in terms of you know sexuality or you know over the top violence or anything like that. Uh, curse words, at least none in English. There's some uh, other Italian and other languages, and so there could be cursing in there that I would not have a clue about. But as far as I can tell, uh, it's very clean fun. Uh, but it is you know younger kids would maybe be a bit scared and might have a bit of a harder time following it. So I'd say teens and up. It's it's written for it's campy fun for adults basically is what this is. Mm. Okay. And of course, we haven't even hit the audio yet, uh, other than the singing yeah. dooms, I guess. But how was the sound and music? <laughs> sound was spot on. You know, this is them at the top of their game in terms of that. Uh, you know, they, they, it's about equivalent to an afternoon movie, I'd say. You know, that kind of not not utterly immersive and terrifying, but you know, pretty. The sounds are there. They're in good stereo positions. Uh, you know, they, they've. This is pretty much as good as as uh, the, the, you know this outfit gets with sound, and that's that's pretty decent considering they're. You know, this is not the BBC. This is a group of hobbyists essentially mm -hmm. that have sort of turned this into a life's work kind of thing. Give us a comparison mm -hmm. again, like compared to other dark adventure um, creations yeah. you've had. It's you know it's it's about up there with uh, well for example I mean they're at their top of their game in uh, the mask of uh, uh, tap the role playing one uh, that was really them at the, the the peak and this is pretty close to that in terms of sound and music uh, yeah it's basically afternoon movie quality kind of stuff I would say okay let's touch on the acting then since we're in that sphere uh, how was it 
it's yeah it, it was pretty good you know no one flubbed any lines they were all spot on and uh, they they kind of you know the the actor who played uh jim whitman just about as far from indiana jones as you can get very studious very kind of humble but ready to act uh barbarella kind of slightly over the top the count uh mateo kind of almost larger than life figures uh you have that sense of the presence of you know it almost gives it almost a comic book aspect but not quite like it, it just it skirts the edge of cartoonish but doesn't quite go there so this is really done on the side of everyone was clearly having fun with this this was campy fun uh it, it kind of acted out and and i think they did a, a pretty good job in that in that department mike how much are we dishing out for this and is it worth it so this is about sixteen ninety nine Canadian, uh, and for the digital download. Now the, the there is a CD version with props. I can't see that being worth it for blind people. The props are not going to be accessible, uh, you know. But they do they do say I've I've had contact with them, and they say if people want to know about the props or something, they can write in, and and they will do their best to sort of accommodate, give descriptions, things like that. Um, nice. So if you really reach out, they are willing to sort of try and and make up for that that shortfall. But the props are there for gamers and people that want like to add to a role playing game uh, kind of scenario, they're, they're like an article from an expedition that looks like it's from a newspaper of the time, that sort of thing. Right. So uh, they add those to the CD versions. I'd say if you're downing, if you're downloading it, I'd say it is worth it. But keep in mind, this is campy fun. Sarah was not imp as impressed as me with this one. She kind of thought that it just lacked depth, kind of lacked seriousness kind of thing. And I, I would have to have sympathy with that. Uh, uh, you know, it, but it's, that's what campy is, is, Mike. Yes. In it, my exactly. opinion, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, I get it, though. It's, yeah, it's absolute just fun. They've they've uh, taken some of Lovecraft's musings essentially, and and kind of t turned that into something, you know, a seventeen five minute kind of romp uh, through <laughs> that that headspace. And uh, I, I think they did a, a reasonably good job with it. But yeah, okay. it, uh, we've we've got something totally different for next week. <laughs> oh really? Okay, looking forward oh, yes. to it. Audio drama. Yes. Yeah, we have, it's an audio drama. It's movies that were never made, a collection of the BBC. They, I think they've done these for like audio dramas and they've collected all of these screenplays that were never made into movies. And they've made uh, basically 80 or 90 minute treatments of these, these movies. So I think we're in for something really special. It's about 10 hours worth. You get about seven movies. Wow. Uh, okay. That wow. were never made. And, so. and this is funny on the heels of our talk with Greg David about pilots and why doesn't someone do what, as an Amazon, Greg said, and put a bunch of these out and say, what do you like? Really cool that, that, that this, these could have been movies. Yeah. Yes, this should be an interesting. I'm going to take a couple of weeks to look at at like you know for for there's seven movies, so I'll do a few for the first week, a few of the next week, and we'll see what we can uh, we find with this right. uh, this pretty good offering for for this time of the year, probably spot on timing wise. Looking for something forward like to this. it, Mike. Thanks for featuring this one today as well, and we'll chat with you then. Absolutely, we'll see you then. Mike will be back, of course, this time next week on Thursdays to cover audio, entertainment, and tech. You can find um, this one that we just covered, The Jupiter of Amun, as well as other Lovecraft-inspired adventures at the HP Lovecraft Historical Society website. Just Google that and you'll find it. After the break, we have Fern Lullum joining us, and we're talking about a magical new show 
that hit the UK in November of 2023. It's hitting Toronto and, well, not Toronto, Canada on TVO in late February. We're going to find out exactly what it's about. She's going to review it for us, I think, after the break on Kelly and Ramia. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. On AMI Audiobook Review, we have Sarah Hillis joining us once a month on the show. She's, uh, you know, talks narrators, know your narrator segment, but she recommended a book just out of the blue. She was like, oh my gosh, you have to read this. It's called Beware the Woman by Megan Abbott. I started it last night, Kels. I'm already like halfway through. It is a page turner, <laughs> to say the least. It's one of these kind of suspense thrillers. You have no idea what's happening, but you're so terrified that something is about to happen. But literally, nothing has happened yet. I'm just like, what oh, is wow. going on? Oh, wow, it's the anticipation. Oh, the anticipation yeah. is killing me. It, you could, it's, it's thick in the air with anticipation. It's so thick. And the character, like, the way that it's written is such quality. I mean, I haven't read a book written this well in a while. Whew, it is well, and to me, that's good. the key. If it's written well, I, it's easy for yeah. me. Again, not that I'm some so aficionado and knows, you mm -hmm. know, miss some English lit person who really knows, but I guess I figure yep. if it's easy enough for me to do, doesn't mean it's a bad book just oh. because I, oh boy, it's a slog. You know, there's certainly mm -hmm. a lot of good slogs this out there. This is a good one. Anyway. Uh, we welcome now, folks, in Fern Lullum from the UK for our bi-weekly check-in. What's on your mind? I'm Fern Lullum from the UK, and whether serious, silly, or somewhere in between, I've got you covered. Let's face it, the most effective therapy is a chat with your bestie. Boy, do we have a lot of media talk today, launching into today's show. We go from Michael, we talk a little bit about books. Fern's got something interesting for us to make sure we are aware of this magical new show that hit the UK back in November and launches here on TV Ontario on February 24th in a couple of days, Fern. Yes, indeed it does. Firstly, I just want to say, I think you missed a really good trick for a link there. I thought you were going to say, but talking of Beware the Woman, Fern's here now. <laughs> thank you Speaking for Speaking of. Oh, true. Yeah, oh, exactly. Boy. I'm going to think about you when I'm reading this book, time. Fern. Mm. <laughs> so, yes, we are talking about the mix Muts. Not sure if that's a compliment, Fern. Either, I, know. <laughs> I had to get through the book. <laughs> haven't read the book. I wouldn't know, so, okay. Probably not a good well, thing. Well, we'll leave the book there for now. Let's talk about a magical series that aims to teach children about disability. It's the mix Muts. Okay. mix Muts. All right. Yeah, mix Muts. So tell us a little bit about it. So The Mix Mops is a show, like I say, it aims to teach young children, it's aimed at preschool children, about disability and inclusion. And it does this in a really fun, magical way, which is, of course, the best way to learn about disability. Mm -hmm. And it centres around three main characters, two of whom are disabled and one of whom isn't. And it's all about friendship, fun and belonging. And it just does it in such a an upbeat, colourful, positive way, which you know, uh, what more could you want, really? Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So tell us more about the main characters, then. 
Yes, so these three main characters, they are called Spin, and he is the non-disabled main character. Um, then we have Giggle, who is in a wheelchair, and we have Pockets, who is visually impaired. And they all kind of work together, and, you know, they're all different colours. Um, we, we see them doing all kinds of different adventures and problem-solving together. And the lovely thing about it is that it isn't just the non-disabled character always helping the disabled characters actually they all interact and they all help each other showing that you know real inclusion means that we're all working together and it's not just about you know let's let's kind of help the little disabled ones along mm -hmm. it's everyone joining in and having fun all together just like it should be mm -hmm. or having the the quote able-bodied unquote one making all the mistakes or the and being taught stuff yeah sometimes that can get to you too it, it sounds like a great program how was it created it was created by a wonderful woman called Rebecca Atkinson, who is visually impaired herself. And one day she was in her children's bedroom. She was picking up their toys, which I wouldn't know anything about because my bedroom as a child was always immaculate, as it is today, may I add. Um, and she noticed, basically, that these toys the characters you know represented by the toys showed nothing about disability so there's all of these children's characters that all of our little ones love but none of them showed any kind of representation of disability and rebecca thought to herself this isn't right you know what what's going on the world has lots of disabled people like ourselves like rebecca and yet this is not being shown to children and she realized in that moment that there was a gap in the market and she needed to fill it and hence the idea for mix mups was born mm -hmm. and then all the details about uh, how she wanted to portray disability on screen that's really interesting too so other mm -hmm. than the creator are there any other disabled people involved in the show Yes, there are lots. So we have the main characters who are all voiced by disabled children, um, actors. So that's that's wonderful. And then um, we also have the, the writers and the team all have lived experience of disability. So that might be themselves or it might be obviously somebody close to them that, you know, their child or their partner or just somebody that they love. And then, I must mention this, this is very important, the audio description, which we know, you know, makes all the difference to uh -huh. a good TV show or film, that's also done by a UK lady who's blind herself, who I think you might know because she makes bi-weekly appearances on AMI, I think. <laughs> oh, that's the one that they say, beware of the woman. Ah! <laughs> that's the one, yeah, that's her. You got it. <laughs> Fantastic, okay. Wow, and, and really congratulations because that is tremendous, Fern. Really glad, Good. you know, that's that's a lot of fun having a series and being able to lend, you know, something, you, you, you know, that you can lend yourself to and have so much fun. Oh, boy, that's yeah, great. It, and it is. It's a really fun one to voice because basically I was told, just make sure you sound like a kid's TV presenter, which I think I sound like pretty much anyway. That's just my natural kind of tone. Well, you talk, um, to, you talk to us, you got to. Mm. Exactly. You've got to have the little pep. There's so much experience. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's always do it with a big smile on my face. Yeah. Okay. So how about a bit more details about the show? Like, for example, where do the characters live? 
Yes, well, the characters live in Mixington Valley, no less. And Mixington Valley basically <laughs> is a place that if you think in terms of disability or different disabilities, it's your ideal scenario because this place is the most accessible place that you could ever imagine. So oh. the, the playground is completely accessible. They live in a helter-skelter house, which is exactly as it sounds. You know, they, they have a slide they can get down. Um, there's, you know, there's ramps, there's accessible swings, everything basically is built with disability in mind and just imagine if we could all live in a world like that and I think the other nice thing I know brilliant and (laughs) I I think the really nice thing about it as well is that it's not stereotypical so we do see the main characters not always so for example Giggle who's as I mentioned a wheelchair user she's not always in her wheelchair sometimes she's just sitting on the sofa or you know sometimes she's sitting on the floor and then we have, um, you know, Pockets is the visually impaired character. She's not always kind of tied to her guide dog or she doesn't have sort of big old um, sunglasses on all of the time. So it's it's showing that grey area that even though you might have a disability, it doesn't mean that you're the extremist extreme of that disability or the stereotype of that disability. So it's teaching children young that, you know, there's a big gap in between, it, you know, all disabilities, like you say, come on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. So, so far, this is checking a lot of boxes for me. And uh, I appreciate, too, that they're, um, the, the, the accessibility of the environment, <laughs> I think that that yes. means that the show is going to be more than just a TV show. You know, like, hey, let's start referencing Mixmups yes. to talk about uh, making an environment accessible. Okay, exactly. what did they get up to in Mixington Valley? of all sorts of things. But the main thing they get up to is that they have what they call a magical mixing box. And they put all different items into this box, as you do when you're playing around as a child, that are relevant to the adventure that they wish to go on. So you can imagine the sorts of things. And then they have a wooden spoon, like you do when you're baking a cake. You know, I'm a big fan of baking a cake. And they put all of this stuff in, along with some magical sparkles, and they mix it up, and then they are transported to a different adventure every episode. I mean, how good is that? That is absolutely wild. Okay, so what sort of adventures then do they get to go on? Oh, all sorts of things. Basically, I don't want to give too much away because you're going to have to watch it, of course. You know, yeah, of course. spoilers. But basically, everything that you can imagine as a little kid, you'd want to, where would you want to go? You want to go to space. You'd want to go on the sea and be a pirate. You'd want to go to a castle or be a robot for the day or, like I say, eat lots of yummy things. All the kind of fun things that you want to do when you're little and you're going to just have a, a great adventure and a, a good old play, basically. Yep. And that's what the, uh, the star of the show is, right? The play, the adventure, the, you know, we're going places kind of vibe. But I also want to go back to this mix of non-disabled and disabled characters that Mm. are trio of main characters. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's brilliant because if you imagine that they were all disabled, all the three main characters, it kind of wouldn't be inclusion, really, would it? Because it would more be segregation. You you would be saying, like, if you have a disability, you can go over here and play with the other little disabled right. children and leave us <laughs> be. Whereas what this is doing is it's showing that 
disabled and non-disabled kids or you know adults whoever can play all together work together problem solve together and that's another great thing about these adventures is that it's really taking into account everyone's needs and a lot of times on these adventures they have to you know problem solve and think about oh well you know one of these characters is struggling or we're all struggling with something how can we work together to overcome this problem and that's such a big part of just life and what yeah. a great message to instill in our kids at such an early age you might say they mix well. Um, they do. We've talked about the yes. three main characters, Fern. <laughs> Is there any other characters in the show? There are indeed. So we have the lucky Louverbird, who uh, is also played by a visually impaired actress and has a, a bit of a northern twang, which we always love. Um, she is the one that's responsible from, for blowing the magical sparkle. She pr produces them from um, her beak which, you know, you'll, you'll find out. This, this just nice. sounds like a wild dream I've had, but I can promise you it's, it all makes sense when you see it on the screen. Um, she's brilliant. Then we also have the Wingles, who are kind of like the comedy sidekicks. Um, they just appear in, in various episodes in different roles. Nice. We also, of course, as I've alluded to, have Pocket's guide dog called Yapet, who has a red nose. And we have <laughs> Roller Guinea. I know this is getting more and more wild. This is awesome. It's brilliant. Um, Roller Guinea, who is a guinea pig on wheels, as you can imagine, clues in the name. Um, and she is... Uh, giggles assistance animal so like like i say it's just so much fun is everyone working together there what a bunch i mean you just want to be friends with all of them truly oh i just love this because it's like there is no end to the creativity <laughs> on this show my goodness uh can you tell us again where we can go to get it yes of course so it will be in uh, tvo um, which will be on Saturday, 24th, this Saturday, um, 24th of February. And if you want to find out more beforehand, you can go to YouTube and type in Mix Mutts Audio Described Introduction, and you will hear the, the characters themselves introducing themselves. Just nice. give a little sneak peek. Wow, uh, incredible. If we didn't know any better, we'd say we had the weeks mixed up, and this was a what in the world segment, or of course, Fern, <laughs> as we do talk to you every couple, every couple of weeks here on the program, we enjoy the segment and today are walking away asking the question, what the heck is that lady on? Talk to you later. <laughs> How dare you? Yes, have a good show. See you soon. <laughs> Congratulations on the show, it's beautiful. Fern Lullum joins us every two weeks here on the program, opposite what in the world, and sometimes she makes her own what in the world segment for us. After the break, more what in the world questions. A passengers on a plane to Toronto tried to open the doors. Uh-oh. Want to find out more about that? Stick around because we got the buzz with Beth after the break on Kelly and Ramya. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Ramia on AMI-tv, AMI-audio, and on your favorite podcast platform. Ramia Umbuddin, Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the show, and we're here daily, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, live on AMI-tv to begin with, and then everywhere else, as I mentioned. On Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, we like to get into the buzz. And this, uh, without Bill Shackleton at the moment, we have... Beth Deer joining us and filling in, and she's here to wrap up the first hour with some articles, stories she finds. Beth, what did you find for us today? Yesterday's discussion was all over the place with the man who uh, yes. needed his lottery money. Still waiting. Yeah, that was so wild. Um, so this week, 
this week, today, should today. I say. 24 hours later, um, yeah. Sorry. It, it's, it's the jet lag, okay, you guys? Uh, oh, fitting. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> we've fitting. mentioned that you're, you're, it's like we're having back-to-back -back UK presentations, right? Yes, I was actually going to say, I literally am probably about 25 minutes away from Fern right now, which mm. is wow. so crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, today, this article really, really, really made me think and was just just mind-boggling. Um, so, desperate for a hip replacement, this 25-year-old gave up on uh, the Quebec public health system um, to get her life back, essentially. Really, really sad. A lady who used to manage her juvenile arthritis uh, with medication about a year ago, the drugs just stopped working and uh, mm. the arthritis had progressed to, uh, what's it called? Oh, goodness, I can't remember the word. Um, osteoarthritis, that's it. Mm -hmm. And uh, last fall, her routine x-ray showed that she quotes, we saw all my, or I quote, she said, <laughs> we thought all my <laughs> all my bones in my hip were totally crushed together. This lady's 25-year-old years old oh, so um she used to work at a really busy montreal cafe but the physical demands became too overwhelming and at the end of the day she says she'd just fall into bed uh from sheer exhaustion and she'd be in absolute agony uh she was refused um an orthopedic an orthopedic specialist in november and um basically told that it would take forever to like get on the list but anyway, her family called a private um, private surgeon and was managed to get her in the very next day. And the surgeon literally said to her, when are we going to do this surgery? Like, it's urgent. You need it done now. Um, and, yeah, her family is now starting to go fund me to raise $35,000 to get her hip replacement and give her back her life. What do we think of that? I think that that's absolutely crazy. I mean, just yeah. the amount of time that people have to spend becoming worse and worse uh, in, in their deteriorating um, disabilities or situations, whatever the, the medical conditions are, and have to wait and wait and wait without feeling supported. I, like, we can never understand, unless we go through it personally, the toll that that takes on you mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. It is unbelievable. Yeah, but but, but I, I always argue the fact, before there's that intervention that we're talking about, what do you, like, how the people who make decisions, the people who don't, or maybe they do not oversee the computer um, when it spits out, well, this person doesn't qualify because of the following lack of criterion. I don't understand how a person doesn't have empathy that yeah. they must be in pain. Do we automatically jump so quickly to, yeah, pain's probably not that bad. Exactly. This is almost impossible. It's what is the thing that gaslighting, right? Part of it. And what would we yeah. say is our reason to deny somebody something? I don't believe you. Well, I can't really say that, so we'll deny. I've heard of people being denied who are going through cancer. Well, you make oh, a little yeah. bit too much money. Yeah. Are you kidding me? The, the cost to treat anybody for, for a nosebleed today is prohibitive over what we any of us make anyway. I know. I know. And that's what it, it's so frustrating because, like, you don't have ways out of this. Like, sometimes all you do is just wait around, right? And, wait and around in agony, get worse to where exactly. you get to the point where someone says to you, wow, if we had got to this a year ago, why are your hands around my throat? You uh, know, uh -huh. because a year ago, I, two years ago, I was yeah. here. 
And you know, that's, yeah. it's like I, such generic feedback sometimes that you get from the medical system. And I really, I, I can't even fully put everybody down this way because, or like the system down this way, because you know it's backed up, right? You know that everything is backed up. People absolutely. Are waiting. Like that's, yeah. that's, it's, it's, it's an insane position to be in. And I really do like wonder in this case if she maybe, like I know that say for, people who are very old they don't do hip replacements mm -hmm. because their procedure is too risky i'm kind of wondering if like by replacing someone's hip this young is it a case of like down the road you're just gonna have to have so many that it's like right now it's kind of like just get on with it like do you know do you know what i mean but just get on yeah. with it is like you know, so much easier said than done when you're not going through it. Oh, God, yeah. Right? Well, and the worst is, what do you expect the person to do? Lay in bed until they're, like, right. 50 and then? Yeah, now right. we'll do it because it'll it only is, be, like, two or three. It's dismissive, and it's... I don't know. I just find it so disconnected and use. I just find it so damn empathetic. Like, there's no yeah. empathy whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. it's, I know someone personally, actually, who's going through something not similar to, not dissimilar to this, right? Like, they have an issue with their bone in their ankle, and right now there's nothing in terms of treatment or even diagnosis, and she's in absolute excruciating pain. She's in her yep. early 20s, yeah. and... Um, same thing. Like, there is no real way to deal with this, not even experimentally, apparently. And she just keeps researching and going through it and finding out yeah. if there's any updates from right. day to day, week to week. But in the meantime, all you do is wait and stay in pain. Well, and you get Absolutely. problems she... when you're younger, when you're mm -hmm. too young mm -hmm. for stuff. I know somebody yeah. who has a, a family member uh, who, uh, you know, was... was um, came down with, well, not came down, but forgive my terminology, ladies and gentlemen, diagnosed with Huntington's disease. But right. our society says, well, we don't really know how to help someone in this position yeah. and give the supports because they're so young. It's really tough. Because where do you even yeah. go? And you know this even with eye conditions and other disabilities where people are waiting for diagnoses or people are living with chronic pain and uh, eye pain and other kinds of pain where people can't, like the medical system just can't step in or doesn't step in for whatever reason. One hundred percent. This really that you saying that Ron makes me think of when I got diagnosed with endometriosis back in twenty twenty one. I remember reading on Reddit and a bunch of other kind of like forums like that that the average kind of wait time for a diagnosis with endometriosis is eight years. Which Oof. if you guys don't know what that is, it's essentially chronic pain. Um, and it's like chronic period pain, but like 10 times worse. I remember reading that it's the same as like labor pains. And then I experienced childbirth and I was like, oh my God, that feels the exact same. Wow. And um, yeah, so it's why? so painful. Why is this delay? Because and of some of the excuses we've just come up with about the, the way the medical I, field is, the lack of... I just of, think what, every, what's it every health system is just so overwhelmed. And I also think mm -hmm. that in my case, I got extremely lucky, but I like my diagnosis from like when I first started you know asking for referrals and actually seeing a gynecologist and all that stuff my diagnosis took about I want to say like 15 months but I think that's the diagnosis you know yeah, yeah from you're, you're lucky though but even that's ridiculously 100%. long but I knew how to advocate for myself and like I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and being like, no, I'm still in pain. 
no, I need like I need an ultrasound, I need like whatever. But the issue, I guess, with endometriosis in the first place is the fact that it can only be diagnosed through laparoscopic surgery. It doesn't show up in an ultrasound, it doesn't show up in an MRI. So like they have to put you under, which is obviously always just a risk and mm -hmm. something that they don't want to do anyway. So they just brush you off and brush you off. But I think I have really learned to advocate for myself through going going through everything I have with my eyes and my sight loss and all that stuff. So going back to this lady, I really, really do feel for her. What an absolutely awful situation to be in. Um, but I, you know, hope to God that her family is able to raise that money for her yeah. and this surgeon can really come through and obviously give her the new hip that she needs because yeah goodness like that just sounds sounds terrible it's long and terrible and excruciating obviously yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, so okay you let's tell move on to the next story yeah I was gonna say something a little bit not lighter but not uh, a hip replacement right right okay <laughs> um okay so passengers uh attempt a pa or a passenger attempt to open a door um on a flight that was diverted from vancouver from vancouver to toronto the flight was meant to be was diverted to winnipeg um a flight from vancouver to toronto made an unscheduled stop in winnipeg after a passenger attempted to open the door sorry everyone just said that voiceover sometimes double double doozies me with these uh <laughs> little paragraphs that I put in. Um, so WestJet says in an email that flight 710 diverted to the Manitoba capital after an incident on Friday. Someone, an 18-year-old man from Victoria, was charged with endangering on an aircraft after he attempted to open the door. Police say he was released from custody and is scheduled to appear in court on May 23rd in Winnipeg. Police say he was released from custody. Oh, I, you guys, I am not with it today. It did the exact same thing twice. Um, <laughs> WestJet says in an email that it's important to note it's not possible to open a secured uh, pressurized aircraft door at high altitudes, adding the flight was able to continue to Toronto shortly after the stop. I found this article just before I had a nine and a half hour flight the other day. So exactly, yes. Found that last yes. little, little tidbit really uh, reassuring. If they spoke right yeah. to Beth, Beth, don't worry. They can't open the door. Get on the plane and have a nice flight. <laughs> um i like told cody about it and he was like beth that's literally like the first time i've ever heard of that before cody was Don't all set to tackle anyone that walked by one of the like, doors are people serious because i mean do you even listen to the um the you know that safety intro that they do at the beginning of yep. the flights like where where is everybody I, I listen. Yeah. I, what I find going on is the copycat of this. This has become a copycat thing going on around the world because we hear so much. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that, Kels, because literally Cody follows this random account that shares random news. And this same thing happened like 20, yeah. if not 20 minutes later, God, uh, the next day um, to, again, a different flight. I think it was like from the States. 
But I'm like, seriously, like, all at once. Well, we had it like, here in Toronto, too, not too long ago after the I incident swear. with the pilot, you know, in this who, who tried to take over the plane. It, there's so many right. people. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, beyond the whole, oh, I'm struggling, I'm panicked, I'm getting having anger. It's, it's, it's like, now just, well, I just thought I'd leave and go walk Can the wing. You please just sit down. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what it is that we're having so many more, like, laxed perspectives about flying nowadays or something. Like, people are like, yeah, I'm yep. just going to do whatever I want. Um, I'm well, open the door. Terrified. And take that first step, and that's yeah. it's a deadly one drop. It, it, even if you're not in the, the shoe, sky, the other shoe is going to drop soon. Beth, let's thank tell you. me. I let's no worries. Thanks, mm. guys. <laughs> Later, uh, yeah, Beth, dear, she'll be back tomorrow, right? For nope. another buzz with Beth. Okay, no, she no, won't no, be. No, no, she's not Somebody tomorrow. Will be. I wondered what the squeaking noise was. I wonder if Beth had transit nearby. It almost sounded like a bus. Oh, I thought it was like uh, doorbells, like wind chime. Well, I thought that at first. I thought Beth's working in a store while she's over there. <laughs> she's moonlighting HR. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After the break, we have hour two of Kelly and Ramia, and we are of our weekly roundtable with Danielle McLaughlin joining us and Kelly picking the topics. We also have Thought Gras Talk with Kim Hovey, our community reporter in Dawson City, Yukon. But after the break, let's talk about some tips to get our baking right with Mary Mamaliti of KitchenConfession.com. Stick around for hour two of Kelly and Ramia. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. on Kelly and Ramia, and we've made it to hour two of the show. Kelly McDonald, Ramia Amadan, the host of this, uh, hosts of this daily show on AMI-tv, AMI-audio, and podcasts uploaded daily for you. Let's get into our um, weekly cooking conversation with Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession. If you're like me, the kitchen is your favorite room in the house. I'm Mary Mamaliti, here with a handful of goodies from my kitchen, including food trends, cooking tips, and of course, some delicious recipes. Mary, it's so lovely to have you back. I wasn't here, so I feel like I've missed out on a lot. But um, Yeah, I mean, she, that's her way of trying to get a yeah, review. I Forget to get it, a Mary. We don't have time. Summary, but he Never said, no. mind. He said, no, no, I said, he leave said, it alone. Then I, the then I made week. the mistake of saying, mm -hmm. Mary. Mayor of Cheese, like Mayor McCheese, and then I know better than they say that. And then that he refused to tell me about the McDonald's. No. Just, wow. Do you remember that character, so Mary? Mayor McCheese? Mayor McCheese? No. Uh, yeah, I it, was one, it, it, was along with, it was along with Grimace and, and, and uh, the Cheese Burglar and all that nonsense back years ago. Oh, well, we know about the Cheese Burglar now because you could win a uh, free McDonald's if you see him. Yeah, but that's, that's, that, that's, yeah, but that's a <laughs> retro thing being brought back. Yeah, anyway, still. I didn't want to review. I'm not sucking up airtime on that either. Let's get into this great <laughs> stuff so Rummy's not mad at that. Okay, I'll go through the script myself. Thank you very much. All right, so... You're going to do a part two. It's a continuation on a discussion of uh, fixing cooking disasters. We all need this kind of stuff, Mary, how to prevent them and such. So where do you want to start? Cakes? Yes, I would yeah. love to. I'd love to start with a little bit of baking because there are so many mm -hmm. tips and, and ways to kind of correct some of our mistakes when it comes to baking. Oh, yeah. But I've got a few common ones um, that can happen. And it, it'll start with like sticking to the pan. Right? We've all had that happen. We've all had yeah. a cake where it just does not want to leave the pan. It's well, kind of made itself a little too comfortable. You can't serve it to people anymore because half the cake is still in the pan. That's right. That's it. So 
what I want to go through is when we talk about the simple ones, so the simple pens, like round, square, uh, loaf-shaped, those are a breeze. And those you can just give them a little light oiling, uh, line it with a little bit of parchment paper, you are good to go on those. It's the ones that are a little more intricate, that, that are fancy ones, like the bunt, the ring, uh, those novelty tins, right, where they have all these little bends and curves and crevices. Things like that, they can get a little bit trickier. So you'll want to grab either an oil spray or get yourself a brush and then coat everything with every little nook and cranny of the pan with some melted butter and then avoid any sticky situations. Because honestly, but it, you know what though, to avoid it even more when it comes to those bunt plants, pans, not plants, pans, mm. what I suggest is taking a little flour and then dusting the pan. That'll really seal the deal and ensure that nothing sticks to this pan. So you've got a double coating there. Does it change the base of your cake if you do this, like the, the flour versus no flour? No. Okay. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And it's a light dusting. So you're not really putting a whole bunch of flour in there. You're not making bread. It's just a light dusting in the oh, pan. Man. Shake out any loose. So once you're done, just flip it over over your sink, over your trash can, shake it out, and anything that's loose will fall out. Okay. All right. Okay, that's awesome. Answer. I was that gonna say, is. I'm gonna start making paste in there for sure. Like, you can't well, I was just gonna say, <laughs> mash it right in like this so much. There's a whole layer here. It looks like somebody's getting ready to do some. Uh, somebody's doing a science project here and they've got paper mache. <laughs> what if the cake has sunk in the middle, Mare? What's going on there? Well, before we talk about it, if someone does say, what is this? I meant to do that. Obviously. <laughs> Always. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just being creative. I thought I would try something new. I saw an obscure recipe book I made up last night when I was having a dream. More cake for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but to answer your question, if the middle of the cake sinks, um, it might still be uncooked inside. That's, that's the first, that's the top at my list. So always check, you wanna pierce the cake either with a skewer. I usually have a wooden skewer handy at home. Poke that in, pull it out. I feel it. If it feels dry or comes out clean, then we're good to go. If it doesn't, you still got some batter or bits on there, you want to pop it back in the oven. The other thing is fluctuating oven temperatures. Mm. They can mm -hmm. also cause sinking, right? So to avoid it, opening and closing the oven door, that's a common uh -huh. mistake that many home cooks make. Um, it, it cools off the oven. So that also can lead to sinking because you're getting that fluctuating temperature within the oven. You want to keep it consistent and nice and hot. They love it warm. Also, maybe okay. some ovens, they have hot spots. Uh, but I've seen so many things on social media about how to check for hot spots in your oven. Um, are any the of them one good? That I, are any, well, one of them, honestly, I think it's just like a party trick where you put, you get a sheet pan uh -huh. and then put a whole bunch of uh, sliced bread on oh. it, pop it into your oven. Right. And then depending yep. on how the each side toasts, you'll know right. what side cooks faster than the other in the oven. That's actually smart, okay. That's a really good idea, but I think it more in the case of my, the experiences I've seen, it's been the opening up the door, checking, and no wonder my mother yeah. used to say, get away from there. Yeah. My sister made her exactly. best cheesecake that turned out kind of like that. I loved it, oh, <laughs> anyway. I mean, it's still delicious. It's yeah. just, and you got that sinking thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, but what I recommend, so this way you don't have to invite a whole bunch of people over to eat all that bread um, <laughs> after you've toasted in the oven to figure this out. <laughs> just consider rotating your cake, maybe halfway through the baking process. Um, that could help. Just avoid opening the door. An oven thermometer, that's another one. So it can also be mm. handy. 
uh, you just check your oven's temperature because it may not be accurate. So okay. those are a couple okay. of uh, key things that you can do. Okay. I, I will say I do get antsy with baking and have a very hard time not opening the oven or taking out the thing and checking it halfway through and then being like, oh no, I Sticking think I Sticking my finger up in it and oh, testing the taste yeah, of it. And needing yeah. a half of a baked cookie. And <laughs> that's right. Anyways. How it, come there's only half a cake that's been I baked here? Huh? literally don't use the oven for this exact reason. Okay. So why Mary? <laughs> a dozen cookies at, Mar at, at Rumius turns into four by the time it's I done. Just make air, I just make air fryer cookies now. Forget it. Um, that's it. We're done. Quick, mm -hmm. fast. So why sometimes does our cake batter explode? Or, okay, no. It overflows in our <laughs> oven. And how do we prevent this from happening? Because you're putting too much flour in there. <laughs> if it's exploding, check your ingredients. <laughs> it's like confetti. <laughs> it's a wedding cake. It's confetti, not flour. Uh, this was the baking soda and vinegar thing. Whoops. Okay, yeah, go on. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> But the first, there's a few reasons. So the first thing I want you to do is start by confirming the size of your pan, as it's mentioned in the recipe. Okay, <laughs> so if there's a, if there's this pan size mentioned in the recipe, there's a reason for that, um, because the amount of liquid that's going into that pan or batter in this case, it's all dependent on the size of the pan. So the, the perfect ratios. I, I I'm not going to get into the math of it, uh, but. So typically cake batter, it should fill probably about maybe half to two thirds full of the pan. If your batter keeps overflowing, then it could be a sign of maybe search for a new recipe that's been properly tested. Um, mm. If you're following all the, the directions, then definitely. See, this is one thing I wanna mention about baking versus cooking. Cooking, you can make adjustments to recipes. Right. Or you can make it your own. You can add a little of this, take out a little of that. Um, with baking, it's a science, and you can't really adjust the recipe as much as you would like to if you're cooking. Yeah, it's much more rigid, isn't it? Because, and, Absolutely. And that's why people have those special recipes, and they tell you, do this. To, I mean, still, you have your pinch and dash, but pinch and dash, you, you know. But with the proper recipe, man, you're getting it, and you know, oh, yeah. And, Mayor, how often would you say, even with stuff that you cook well, bake well, excuse me, would you mm -hmm. say that it comes out perfect? How Out of 10 times... How many times would you actually feel that baked item, that cake comes out the way perfectly? When I'm recipe testing, there may be a couple of goes when it comes to baking. Um, but when I'm following a recipe, the key is to follow the recipe. Mm. Like I've had people tell me, you know, I made those muffins that you posted, but they didn't turn out right. Um, I said, well, did you make it the exact way that I had it listed, the recipe listed? I did, but then I removed some of the butter because I wanted to lighten it up and then put some applesauce <laughs> so on you it because so you didn't follow the recipe. I kept opening the fridge door or the, the oven yeah, door, too, door. to keep an eye on them. And I, I left it wide open, tin actually. And half of it exploded. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the other reason um, is, is just keep an eye on it. Just make sure that your measurements are correct. Keep mm -hmm. that. Remember that half to two-thirds full of the pan. It's when you're pouring like, in your batter. It's a science, right, Mary? And that's why, you know, most of the time you don't know you've done something wrong till the end, like till your cake collapsed or uh, till the, yeah. the batter is out or whatever it is, you know, you don't necessarily know until the end because at the beginning you're just kind of mixing the ingredients and it's all about the measurements and the in, uh, instructions. Yeah. It, it used to be mm -hmm. common for a cake to fall if people messed around. And sometimes it was yeah. due to what you talked about, Mary, the Unless inefficiency of a lot of people's stove. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. a lot of stoves years ago, you know, like, oh, open the door and the cake, hey! Like cheesecake, yeah. right? It's one of these things where you're supposed mm -hmm. to know or have to understand why you need it to be done a certain way. Not at all like making something in a pot on the stove and just kind of testing as you go and all these different ways you can right. potentially save your food. Exactly. I mean, like you said, we can't taste test this. Mm -mm. Well, when it goes into the oven, that's it. we got to wait till it's done. Yeah. Um, but then it's too yeah. late. If you've said it's right. too late. I mean, we're but, all still but, eating it, but, but then it's too late. Yeah, I was just going to say, you're still likely to eat and nothing's going to kill you like other food might if you screw Aww. it up. Like, oh, this is too and sometimes you end up seasoned with mookies, or whatever. Right? And then yes. you're happy. You yes. with mookies. Yeah. But and I you're mean, still if fine. a cake, what you can do with the cake, if it comes on, it's not exactly how you imagined it. And it's still edible. Mm -hmm. Cut it up yeah. into cubes. Put it into a glass. Yes. Put some whipped cream in yes. there. Some yes. strawberries. Yep. Make cake pops. And, uh, Make cake pudding. Yeah, Make still... cake pudding, man. Like bread pudding. You know, I cake can't pudding. do the cake pop thing. I try. It's a it's a texture thing. For oh, me. really? Yes. Huh. Yes. Like can't and do I think it at all. Enjoy it. Of the cake with the yeah, icing. She just doesn't yeah. like that texture. Yeah. I find yeah. it to I, be a sugar overload, but it is. It's very sweet. They're very fun. But uh, one more Mary. thing I did want to tap into just really, really quickly, mm -hmm. dense cakes, because this happens oh. often, right? So there's several reasons because a, a dense cake, it's really easy to avoid. You may have insufficient air in your batter. And how that happens is you haven't creamed the eggs and the sugar long enough to get this fluffy consistency. Right. Or right. Yep. maybe even bashing the whisk up against the side of the bowl one too many times, it knocks out that air within the batter, right? Or even wow. check... Yeah, check the expiry date on your baking powder. That could be done. Oh. That could be expired. And then just test that with a teaspoon in boiling water. And uh, that's how you know if you're, you're, it should fizzle up. It should bumble up. Okay. And that's how you'll know if your baking powder is good to go. Okay. Wow. I wouldn't have never thought of that. Yeah, I uh, never Mayor, thought the baking powder. Homework for you, Mayor. Go check on Mayor McCheese, will you? Uh, yes, Mayor McCheese. And... If you guys aren't doing anything tonight, catch Dish with Mary, our final episode. Yay. Quick tonight at nine. Yeah. What's yeah. being featured? Don't tell us. Uh oh, I'm going to St. John. St. John, New Brunswick. Nice. We check out Marcy's salads. Um, we visit the women behind this fresh, quick, it's a quick serve restaurant. It's a cute little shop. It's in the heart of St. John with its it's got like welcoming decor, friendly staff. Um they offer creative salad concoctions, which they're so good, and the most satisfying noodle bowls. Oh, oh my gosh, that so sounds good. great. Awesome. Thank you, Mary. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. You can catch up on part one of the um, preventing kitchen disasters conversation, as I will, from last week's episode with Mary. And then today we went to part two and talked about baking tips. She'll be back next week as well. Weekly conversation with Mary. Oh, yeah, cooking. that's right. Yeah. That was the playing sick week. Mm -hmm. yeah, anyway, Go to kitchenconfession.com as well. There you can find recipes, discussions, and links to her podcast, Kitchen Confession. After the break, we're talking about Thaw de Gras. It's back in Dawson City, Yukon. That's with our community reporter, Kim Hovey. We'll be right back. It's Kelly and Ramia. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. It's Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. You can find us live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time every weekday. And then we 
are with you at 4 p.m. Eastern time for the first airing on AMI-audio. And then if you feel like listening to us whenever you want to, then go to your favorite podcast platform and find us there. Full show uploaded as well as segments every day. Full show has a vanity card on the end. You get to know a little bit about our team. Just a snippet of personality every time we release a podcast. It's fun. Kelly, over to you. Okay. And let's kick things off because, folks, we have a great pleasure. We, Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, normally have an opportunity to speak with our community reporters. When we have a shorter week like this, we slide that community reporter who misses that turnaround uh, over to Thursday whenever we can. And we're doing it today so we don't miss a vital community reporter report where we find out about things that are going on in their area. Today, from the Yukon joining us, uh, of course, Kim Hovey is with us. And Kim... We say all the time, Kim Hovey from Dawson in the Yukon. Well, in Dawson City, you're going to talk a little bit off the top about Dawson City. Dawson City, it's just the place to be. <laughs> now, although today... Did you say Dawson past... or Awesome City when you started? Because that would work, right? All it right. totally would. I am here forever, I think, I hope. <laughs> It's just such a, a wonderful place, but I have to say we're having issues uh, right now with, uh, just to let you know, with those solar flares. I don't know if you've heard much oh, about yes. those lately. Mm -hmm. For as much as they are beautiful with our northern lights, they also create havoc on electrical and satellite and cell system and radio, and so... We are struggling a lot with broken um, communication. So if I pop out, you'll know what is going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I was a more active amateur radio operator, it would drive us nuts. And it didn't just last, you know, oh, it's a bad summer because of the flares. No, <laughs> it's a bad two years. You counted on a couple of years of it being so rough every 11 years. So we got you, though. And thankfully, where do you want to start, Kim? Well, thanks for modern technology is definitely a big bonus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when we talk about uh, Dawson City, you guys have so much there that I think sometimes for most of us, we kind of like, well, all right, but it's up north. It's way away. Kim's never going to move from there. How come? What, what do you love the most? So I'm going to read you this little spiel that is on DawsonCity.ca. This is our uh, tourism page, and this is where I get a lot of my information because it is good. And I know the editor, and I agree with a lot of what he says. So I'm just going to share some of what he has to say about Dawson as well because I feel very much uh, the same. So Dawson City is an Eclectic and elect, eclectic and vibrant northern community in the banks of the Yukon River. We boast a mixture of First Nation heritage and gold rush history, blended with an active gold mining and tourism industry, as well as thriving art scene. In Dawson, we do events right. We have something for everyone. In brief, it's not everything you're looking for in the northern town, then we don't know what. <laughs> I love it. Is it because, Kim, when we talk about you guys doing things right, 
uh, especially activities, I'm going to just focus there. Is it because you have less time with the weather, the, the snow socking everybody in at times and them having to be inside? Is is that where you think everybody looks so forward to anything that, that they're doing, any event that they get to take part in? And th there's more of that ability to focus on it instead of being split by so many other things. And cabin fever is so prevalent mm. up here that any chance we can get out and get together is always a bonus. Yeah. And temperature is as indecisive as anything else. So that's hard to plan a lot with weather. Um, but there's just always seems to be a way around it here and I think because we all know how to dress and um, just deal with it as everyday life and so it's it's not a, a big issue so winter is a very exciting time for us because of all the sports we have up here as well um, and like I said if you're not into the sports the art scene is very mm -hmm. much uh, a prevalent uh, thing to go about with Chiver and lots of the um, gal galleries around and um, events too awesome mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kim, there's always some kind of sport that you can take part in in Dawson City, especially this time of year, I guess, and you wanted to highlight. Absolutely. So we have the hockey um the hockey association and there's a very strong women's hockey association as well as a first nations hockey association and the locals as well. Um so it's it's a big deal and lots of uh, people come from far away too. Uh, it's such a big deal. Um, so curling is another really big one. This year is our 125th bond spiel and it's happening this weekend actually. Um, my co-workers are hoping to get off work early tonight to start because uh, They've done the draw for who goes when for the teams. And so it's getting to be pretty exciting. All of the chit chat about uh, the teams that have formed and who's going to play against who mm. and <laughs> lots of fun with that. And we have our downhill um, and Moose Mountain downhill is our ski hill is such a, a welcome addition to the community and so many people here uh, use the hill because it's it's very good for a beginner and intermediate it isn't it isn't the rockies here but it's definitely a good learning hill and we have a t-bar and two runs and it's just lots of fun for the families and and all of those that like to participate with skiing and snowboarding and also in that area um, we have cross-country ski trails Lovely. and snowshoeing trails so when they're grooming the hills they also have other equipment to groom the trails um, so there's no excuse not to get out <laughs> do you personally and have a preference between downhill and cross-country skiing Kim? Actually, funny that you ask because I was talking to my coworker, who's the president of the ski association or the ski hill, um, that 
this year I want to try skiing again because I used to ski. I was an avid skier. Yeah. And then once my vision, I lost my vision, uh, I just didn't know how, I don't know how to ski with this way. Mm. But I think the hill is so good. And I, and I was on it before I lost my vision. So I kind of have an idea. But I've been talking and uh, we're f- trying to figure out a way whether I fall follow somebody or have my white cane yeah. we haven't figured it out yet your, your white cane We're along with the um the the ski poles the the downhill <laughs> ski maybe <laughs> Exactly. Uh, no, it's it's really lovely. And uh, of course, I'm in Toronto where we have the Toronto Ski Hawks and Ottawa, there are the Ottawa Ski Hawks. And just around the country, there are lots of different adaptive programs. But um, the communication, of course, is the, the biggest thing to figure out, right? For when it comes to adaptive yes. skiing of any kind. So, yeah. Yeah. Lots of different approaches. And the funny thing is they make so many... Uh, they have contests where you can rig up uh, a, conglo- a con- conglomeration device to go down the hill, and they have competitions which can get down the furthest. And oh, yeah. So we have lots of creative minds here. So I'm sure there's somebody that if I tapped out and spoke out, that mm-hmm. they would make something for me. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> Awesome. awesome. That's amazing. Uh, Kim, yeah. let's sl- sail into your last one here. Thaw. Yes. And I remember you bringing this to us before. Let's see if I can do it right. Thaw de gras. Correct. And so that's coming up March, um, March 15th to 17th. And like I said, it's all over Dawson City. There's not one place that doesn't participate in Thoughty Gras. Um, and just to, if I could just quickly go over what some of the attractions are. Yes, um, please. Yeah, so we have lips, uh, lip sync competition. We have a road hockey tournament. We have a dog sled race. We have adult tricycle race. Yes. Are you in this? <laughs> oh, I will. I definitely, I haven't yet, but I am definitely, that's my calling. Oh my <laughs> God. When I could see more, I'd be afraid I'd get lost. Okay, great. Um, and then we have the hat toss and the axe toss and chili cook off and snow sculptures, and log toss. Wow. Um, There's some big boys in that one. <laughs> I'm thinking, can you imagine doing log toss and then trying to do hat toss? Like a... Chainsaw <laughs> oh. toss. Whoa. Yes. Oh. oh, wow. And then egg toss. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just to change it up. Wow. Throw and an egg in the air fireworks. and whip it down with the, with the uh, axe. Wow. Fireworks. <laughs> You see every sort come out for this stuff. And, you know, the tiniest little one can get that axe right in the bullseye. And it's just so impressive. Yeah. I'd hate to see the talents of chainsaw throwing. That's the one. Or throwing the log and then saying, here, now throw a hat. Like, like, good grief. Like, what a difference in types of throwing. No, you're not using my fedora. Um, (laughs) That is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) So how much of these things do you go go to see? What what interests you the most? 
everything i we get yeah. out and it's just something that everything is walkable you can walk from one event to another mm. and they're spaced the timing sometimes they have multiple events going on at the same time so it makes it challenging to know <laughs> where you want to be but then that's when the weather can play uh and help you with that decision because if it's nasty outside some of the indoor stuff can be more fun like trike riding because that's oh, all yeah. inside <laughs> do you I know would <laughs> kim is it an organization a particular organization that runs and manages study or like are there funds that go towards any particular place um from this event like this is a massive deal for dawson city it is it's it's sponsored from Dawson City Tourism and every uh, every business um, contributes their part and benefits from that um, so like uh, the visitors association the arts communities they all get involved and whatever they can donate and make it so it is a big event, um, they, then they benefit themselves too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. this is beautiful. And having that sponsorship, that support is tremendous. Kim, we'll talk to you next month during Thaw de Gras. Yes, awesome. Talk soon. Kim Hovey, our committee reporter from Dawson City in the Yukon. We talk to our committee reporters Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays here on Kelly and Rumya. And get a bonus one on Thursdays once in a while. After the break, because it is Thursday, we have our anticipated roundtable conversation. Danielle McLaughlin, who also wasn't here on Monday for her regular Noya Writes It, because of course we had family day, is here to guest on the roundtable. So her and I will go through some of the things that Kelly's picked out for topics. We'll be right back. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Ramya. Thanks for sticking around. Two hours of a variety of conversations and content we like to bring to you with our guests and contributors. And of course, you can check them out on your favorite podcast platform by downloading the segments or the uploaded daily full show. Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amuddin. What a fluky day because, ladies and gentlemen, we've got some heavy topics today on the roundtable to get into. A little heavier than usual, but also our guest is an expert at some of these topics and giving some really interesting perspective and feeling. Let's bring on the Thursday roundtable for you. Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually it oval. Just say yeah. it. The blind guy feels it now, goes, well, I don't know. Well, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. So today's guest is Know Your Rights contributor, Danielle McLaughlin, as I come up with a few things to talk about. I handpick these items. And today's one of those days, Danielle, I have to say that I've picked kind of with the guest in mind immensely. Um, so I hope you don't feel kind of targeted in this, but... I think, uh -oh. um, I think you'll be pleased with the topics and having some ability to give us perspective. Rummy and I will also, of course, weigh in, ladies and gentlemen. That's how this roundtable works. Let's start with a judge has labeled a 23-year-old London, Ontario a man a terrorist and sentenced him to life in prison with no chance of parole for 25 years for killing four members of a Muslim family 
Nathaniel Voltman has also been handed a concurrent life sentence for the attempted murder of the youngest member of the Epsil family in the June 20, uh, 2021 truck attack in London. Family member Hima Islam said outside the courthouse in London that Canadians need to work together to combat hate. Wow. It's not just a, a Muslim problem, a London problem. It's, a, it's something that we as Canadians need to do. Every single one of us need to challenge, uh, channel the, the emotions we're feeling into how are we going to create change? Um, how are we going to work together uh, to make a better Canada? Crown Prosecutor Sarah Sheikh said Veltman murdered the family because of his, quote, hateful, intolerant, ignorant, and Islamophobic ideology. Danielle, I'm going to come to you first. Rami and I have our own. I, me as a Londoner, I, I totally have, a, a, you know, my own perspective of being uh, really located about uh, a mile and a bit from this heinous attack. Um, what, when you hear this, what do you feel? What do you think? Is this what you expected? Um, I didn't, actually, to be honest, Kelly, because he had already been sentenced to life in prison. Sentencing, you know, we only get one life. So sentencing him to life in prison again on terrorism charges isn't going to make any difference as far as his sentence goes. The question is, what difference will it make at all? And how do we define terrorism? And I'm, I'm still, you know, I don't think that it hurts for somebody who's already going to be serving life in prison. And to be perfectly clear, I am very glad that he is going to be spending the rest of his life in prison. The fact that he's been now convicted of terrorism charges means that while he's in prison, uh, he's unlikely to be with the general population mm -hmm. because they will uh, be seeing him as a, uh, you know, a threat to um, other members of the prison population as far as what he might do or what he might convince them to do. Mm -hmm. um, right. And it also... I think sends a signal to the community that was attacked that we're taking this seriously. Um, and, you know, it, it acknowledges the fact that not only were people in London terrified, and we can certainly understand why they might be, but people everywhere who have the same characteristics or who had the same, or who have the same, pardon me, the same religious beliefs may feel better knowing that um you know th this was acknowledged his you know his hatred mm -hmm. was acknowledged but you know generally speaking when we talk about terrorism we're looking at something that is more organized he was clearly one person acting on his own behalf so should this actually fall afoul of the anti-terrorism legislation I'm not entirely sure. The judge was, so we're going to leave mm -hmm. it with her. Pardon me. Yeah, yeah. And I do wonder, going forward, what where is this setting the stage? Rum, I have some feelings from you. Yeah, I think that, you know, what What I often think about in, in times of sentencing for cases like this that we follow as a general public um, is, do, do we... Do we offer enough to the families, right? The the people who are affected. In this case, the you can just talk about the community as well, the community uh, of Muslims in Canada, I guess, really. And I 
I feel that it, as you said, Danielle, it's not really like they're adding anything on to the, the consequences for um, the guy who's convicted, but also, are we really talking about, like, especially hearing that clip and saying we need to channel our emotions, our feelings, our reactions and responses to this in some productive way, in some helpful, supportive way to the communities, to this cause of, um, you know, not letting hatred go so far? And what does that even mean? You know, what do the, the supports look like? What, have we, what are we doing differently based on this case or cases like this? And um, are people feeling personally impacted by the way that people are, or the, the government or communities uh, or generally us, we are responding? And I'm not sure. I'm not sure I feel confident that we are doing anything to make people feel um, that kind of support and and love mm -hmm. yeah you know what, what I, I sorry kelly go ahead i was just going to say and danielle please i will be coming right back to you but um i i feel as a londoner of what i saw the outpouring the discussions that have happened since then between here windsor um and the start of that clip was about really canada and what the rest of the country takes from this so danielle i come to you with this thought in mind what does this do on a legal point? Do we see this now as a precedent? Is this why maybe the judge chose to go this way? That it could, this it is a, well a device be. for Toronto, Ottawa, Alberta, uh, you know, you know, Dawson, you know, if something like this happened out there? You know, that that's a very good point. I mean, I don't think that anybody ever thought that murdering a family was okay, no matter what your yeah. reasons for doing right. that would be. But I think the, that it, it is unlikely to send a message to people who are that filled with hatred and that filled with violence. Mm -hmm. It's more the message to the people who are likely to be victims of that kind of, of violence and hatred that it says. And those we of don't us that would be okay. motivated to do something ahead of time. Yeah. And, and, and it says to people, you know, this is out there. Um, people like like this man, uh, you know, and I think we should, by the way, stop using his name. I think we should remember the names of his victims and forget right. him. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, I because you know, let's let's not let him, uh, you know, I, as a, an old friend of mine said, let him wallow in the obscurity he so rightly deserves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he he's a in in my opinion uh, a very disturbed and rather terrible person. Does it help to say that this is the first time that an individual has been convicted of terrorism charges in Canada, to my knowledge? Um, does that mean there are going to be a whole lot more of these uh, um, convictions under this uh, legislation? I doubt it, but I don't know. I mean, my, my hope, of course, is that there will be no more acts like his acts right. and that people will be, you know, will, will be safe. But we can never guarantee that people will mm -hmm. be safe. I think, you know, that in my often expressed opinion, it comes down to education. It's very important from a very early age that people learn that everybody's a human and that even if people don't look like you or don't uh, worship the way you worship or don't uh, believe what you believe, that doesn't mean you hate them. Uh, it might be an opportunity for you to learn something but yes. um you know where where we go with people who are clearly as troubled as this person uh is 
We know he's going to be spending the rest of his life in jail. After 25 years, he is eligible for parole, which does not mean he will get it. It means yep. he can apply yep. for it. My best guess is a fat chance, yeah. um, especially yeah. with the, the terrorism charges on top of it. Um, and he's going to be, um, you know, it, it, some people have said that isolation, you know, putting people into what was called solitary confinement is cruel and unusual treatment. Whether um, that applies for people who are convicted of terrorism charges, I don't know. I don't know what it will look like over time. But suffice it to say, he's um, pretty much lost any hope of having a happy life. So hmm. I guess even, that, that may be what Even at the merest time, exactly, and, and for whatever reasons. But I think the people injured in this, the people who had to want to see that, like you said, Daniel, it doesn't it doesn't happen again. And I think that that is that would be a wonderful thing to to see happen, to believe. Um, but we do need to take move forward and make the the right steps to ensure safety, ensure what we can. And uh, like I was always taught, we don't like or we are uncomfortable with what we don't understand. Thank you. Um, let's let's move into Alabama's largest hospital has uh, paused. IVF operations after the supreme ruling in the United States that frozen embryos are be to uh, be understood uh, sorry considered uh, as children under the state law uh, ABC's Elizabeth Shells reports that doctors and patients are reevaluating how to move forward the University of Alabama at Birmingham Health System saying in a statement, we must evaluate the potential that our patients and our physicians could be prosecuted criminally or face punitive damages for following the standard of care for IVF treatments. Because Alabama's high court ruled frozen embryos qualify as people, anyone who discards them, which is a normal part of the IVF process, could now face criminal charges. So the decision oh, was uh, issued in wrongful death cases by couples. This was brought forward uh, who had frozen embryos destroyed by accident. This could, of course, potentially leave clinics vulnerable to lawsuits and restrict access to treatments. And Ramya, I hear that and I, I get, wow, because I'm not sure I felt myself because I'm not knowing the process um, until you hear it laid out like this. Uh, as that embryo being the human, you know, considered, a, you know, a child. Yeah, this is a, a, a I'd say a, a tough topic for me to speak on as well, just because of lack of knowledge and understanding about it. But of the process. Yeah, yeah. of the process yeah. um, of this kind of question of treating the embryo as a, as a person and then the criminal charges associated with this. I wonder what the trickle effect of something like this, because we know that, a, a lot of people turn to this option for a, one of many reasons, right? What IBF treatment, I mean, um, and people in all kinds of circumstances who have to navigate options like this. And it's also just a sensitive topic in general because of that. Um, you know, so I'm not exactly sure what it means, what it could mean for the future legally. And then, and of course, then there's the question of how many other states will start following suit. Yeah, I mean, Danielle, we've talked about similar, especially with the abortion uh, rulings That's in the right. United States. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, I can't wait to hear. I although I've begun to hear what the late night comedians are going to make of, uh, you know, frozen embryos <laughs> being called children. Um, you know, right. it, 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 they in the process of IVF, many embryos are created 
and not all of them are viable. So mm. what do you do with the ones that aren't viable in the situation where a court has told you that they are they are living human beings? Which right. I I don't oh. know. If you see, I, I I thought that um, I I once saw this this meme that I thought was really funny. Um, it, it, it says uh, that the manager of IKEA has retired. I'm going to send him a cake. And it's a picture of all the ingredients for a cake laid out on a table. <laughs> and this is what you sent to it. Yeah, because you've got all the ingredients. It hasn't been put together yet. Right. This is this is exactly what the frozen embryo is. It's a potential person if it's viable. It is not a person. Um, and the court in my, you know, I, I was extremely shocked. The, the, the clip you uh, just played didn't mention the fact that they quoted the Bible in oh, um, well. a, in their decision. And the idea that a so-called secular uh, court in a democracy uses one religion, in this case Christianity, mm. to determine something like this is, um, it's outrageous in, in my opinion. It will mean absolutely the end of IVF treatment in that state um, because doctors- That's what it sounds like. Absolutely. Doctors are mm -hmm. not going to be able to take the chance that they won't be charged um, if right. something goes amiss with one of the embryos or frozen embryos. Um, you know, so so people who are who have the ability to travel to another state where this law doesn't apply. And by the way, for those who are curious, in Canada, criminal law is federal so that if it's illegal in B.C., it's illegal in Ontario, mm -hmm. it's illegal in New Brunswick. Um in the states, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. It's every no, it's state, state, to state has state, its isn't own. It? Okay. That's right. But it's so, so yeah. influential, Danielle, from yes. from state to state, and that's what worries me about any kind of Absolutely. precedence that's set. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you take a look, for example, at as you mentioned, the abortion issue, abortion is still lawful in numbers of states, mm -hmm. and and becoming that's becoming less and less frequent. Well, there are doctors in the states where abortion is lawful who are prescribing uh, abortion pills to people who live in other states. Trump has just said he's going to use the Comstock Act, which is a very, very old piece of legislation about sending things through the mail. Um, and he's going to try to make it unlawful for the, for these things to be sent out of state to uh, to people who request them. Um, right. You know, right. I, I think that we are really looking, and by the way, the IVF situation in Alabama is about women's right to control their own bodies yeah, yet yeah, again. Yeah. And, and you know, what we're looking at repeatedly is an attack on women and exactly. a, an attack on, on women's ability to make decisions for themselves. And it's just, it, it's, I don't see it getting a whole lot better. Um, will Not that this come trajectory. to Canada is, is, is a worry that we, we have. I mean, right now we have no law against abortion in Canada. And with any luck, we never shall. Um, it's mm -hmm. the issue is between uh, you know a, a, a woman, her family, her doctor, uh, you know, and, and, and those people, not the legislative body. So you know what? What do I, I? I think this is really dangerous. Will the Supreme Court of the United States look at it and strike it down as being unconstitutional? Very worrisome because they already uh, struck down Roe v. Wade. Yep. Um, you know, yep. and they yep. they upheld a decision that that declared that abortion wasn't lawful. So for me, this this is extremely troubling. Um, I 
I did see somebody posting something, which before this decision came down, I didn't understand. It showed a picture of a frozen burrito, and it said, is this a child? And I thought, oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> you know, wow. Yeah. The memes are out. on that. We're going to wrap on that. Thank you very much. I still had so much to get through here with you today. But both of you, thank you very much for, for a wonderful roundtable of discussion and some things to take away and think about. We'll uh, talk to you Monday. Thank you so much. Talk to you Monday. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you. Our roundtable guest today, Danielle McLaughlin. We do the roundtable Thursdays at this time. Taking a break, coming back to talk a little bit about brain health and, of course, give you a preview of Now with Dave Brown, the Friday morning edition. Looking forward to that and all they've got in store. We'll be right back. It's Kelly and Ramya. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. with you it's kelly and Romeo. we're just wrapping up things here and a quick remind reminder that you can check out the show on your favorite podcast platform anytime you want wherever it is that you listen to podcasts just search for kelly and Romeo, and you'll find us there because we're here every weekday for you uh all right kelly you're gonna tell us what's going on now with dave brown i guess what's coming up the friday morning edition at 9 a.m eastern time ami tv that's live as well every weekday what do they got going on tomorrow well you have a convening of the news panel as affordable housing continues to be a challenge for many people the panel will examine the consequences of those who do rent in the popular canadian cities and the growing problem that they're experiencing a statistics canada report reports renters living in Vancouver and Toronto are experiencing higher levels of stress. The panel will uh, discuss whether these added emotional challenges diminish the prestige of living in high-profile Canadian cities. And Karen McKay from the Centre for Equitable Library Service will give out the nominees for the Audi Awards, which is the premier awards program in the United States recognizing distinction in audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. Sounds good. Boy, those will be great to hear. Awesome. Thank you very much. Friday morning now with Dave Brown, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Okay, so uh, to close things off, I was reading this article entitled, We Asked Doctors About Habits That Are Bad for Your Brain, and Here's What They Had to Say. Now, some of these are uh, uh, tips, I guess, or mistakes that we've been making. We already know about, you hear about all the time, if you're like me, and read these kinds of articles often. But this one from the um, assignment for HuffPost, they have talked about some of the things that I find interesting. So they say, we actually have a lot of control in keeping our brains healthy from aging prematurely, and it starts with daily habits. So mistakes to correct and behaviors to avoid, all right? One of them is you don't get enough social interaction. So obviously we know a lot about this already. We talk on the show about this often also. Uh, just It's not just about in-person, and it's not just about when you feel like you need to talk to a friend or feel like talking to a friend. It's also just any kind of interaction, whether it be with strangers or even if you're in a bad mood, because there's obviously all kinds of mood-boosting qualities to talking to people. They say get out and talk to people. Next one, you keep your brain active but only by doing the same things over and over again so this is the mistake we make all right um, mm -hmm. you not only want to engage your brain in the skills that you already have but you also want to get your brain out of its comfort zone 
if you say, I'm no longer a kid anymore and I'm not going to worry about learning new things, that actually can sabotage your brain health and lead to premature brain aging. Uh, just I understand like when you, that. Yeah, right? Just like when you meet someone new, learning something new forms connections between our brain cells and helps the brain to stay youthful. So they say, expand your mental horizons. Um, also, chronic stress. We dismiss chronic stress that we carry around with us. We're skilled at keeping our stress responses on us all day at a moderate level and without even realizing or noticing. So even when nothing stressful is happening, we may be carrying around unconscious stress, this article says. And they say to it's important to um, make sure that you're doing things like uh, uh, being aware of it, releasing it throughout the day in little ways, like being mindful of our thoughts and being um, thinking of our breathing. You can also carry short stress, acute stress, and do things releasing them like saunas, cold showers, or trying a high-intensity workout. All right, take a break there. Tell you quickly what's coming up tomorrow, the Friday edition of Kelly and Remia. Talking about Microsoft and AI using ChatGPT to improve cyber attacks with John Beeler. Also, we have the Chatty Bookshelf with Ryan Huey. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Catch you then. A few days ago on the Voices segment, we had Devin Wilkins on, and it's it's nice to be able to visit with some of our main voices that you hear on the channel. Um in the voices segment because they get to talk about different things as you know and we hear them speaking in a capacity we're not used to whether it's a hobby interest to some point a soapboxing they get on but also just learning about them and experiencing some of the things they've experienced in life or would like to just talk about that you find oh that's on your mind and it may not necessarily be a kind of a rant it might be just something curious a place they've been and they want to share with us how wonderful that is this year, I've decided with us being on TV for one year, maybe to go back. And we always think about going back to basics for one thing or another in different ways. And one of the things I thought would be fun with voices is to let you hear some of the voices that have been with the show for a period of time. Um, mainly some of the people who have been with us since the first, second or third year of being on the show. Um, but obviously, we know all the voices are tremendous, important and have so much to say. And there's so much that behind these people doing their presentations as contributors or community reporters, there is so much depth and I would love to be able to share some of that. So I'm going to try to navigate our way through that this year when it comes to the voices segments and see what I can find, what I think I know. I mean, when I was tasked with putting the show together, one of the things I was asked to do by upper management was, was bring all my friends to the table. Well, I certainly don't know all of our contributors on, on that level. And what that meant is those of us putting the show together tapped into our resources and, and brought people to the show that we may have known for a long time or know of through community in different ways. And that was a joy because we've watched them grow, watched them show us, yeah, I've got a lot to talk about. Because sometimes you put a segment out, we'd love to have this as a topic, but we really don't know how long it'll last. And some people have carried these things on for the period of time that we've been on the air. And it's tremendous. But behind that, what else do we get to talk to them about outside of what they're bringing as a contributor? Not a lot. 
so that's what voices when I conceived the idea for the segment several years back I thought that would be kind of neat to get them going on about certain things and sometimes it's a struggle to find the people I don't think it'll be hard to find when we look at our roster and some of the voices as we say are familiar to the network that we can call upon now I think it'll be a lot of fun and I think it's neat to recognize those who've been with the show for so long. That doesn't mean those who have just signed up yesterday don't have a lot to tell either. So that's kind of the focus on the voices that I'd like to try to take this year. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.